Hey there, mighty men. I'm your host, Dr. Dave Paschkowski, founder of Men Made For More Coaching. Our business helps husbands level up their life, their leadership, and their legacy in marriage and in business. The purpose of this podcast is to bring together like-minded men that feel destined for big things in their life, provide you the resources and community that you need to lead yourself, your family, and your business. If you've ever felt overwhelmed, frustrated, lost, or alone on your journey to a better and more purposeful life, you're in the right spot. You weren't designed to be average, so it's time to quit living that way. Today, I'm giving you permission to unlock your true potential and step into all that you were made for. All right, guys, welcome to today's guest episode of the Men Made For More podcast. I'm stoked to have uh, such a good friend of mine on here, Christian Edwards, for today's show. Christian, uh, so excited to have you on here, man. I've been uh, been waiting for this, this one for, uh, for a while now, and thanks for taking some time to come on and record it. Yeah, Dr. Dave, man, it's an honor to be on your podcast. Uh, since I knew you, I knew you had a podcast, man, and I kind of always longed in my heart to be a part of it. So today's the day. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be good, and and we're gonna get uh, get deep into your story here in in a minute. But uh, just uh, a thousand foot view here of if if a listener stepped down to the elevator with you, if they had you know 60 seconds to talk with you, what's uh kind of what's going on in your life? What are you what are you most excited about right now? Right now, my official vocation is spiritual advisor for the King's Council Coaching Group. So that. Um, by me just saying that somebody who doesn't know me or know my story yet, that may not mean much, but I'm a guy who's 39 years old. I was a hospital maintenance guy for the last 19 years, but midway through that nine years ago, after being a drug addict for most of my adult life, I radically got hit by Jesus, man. I got changed, transformed, born again, renewed, regenerated, and uh, I've been a different man. So for me to say I'm a spiritual advisor now, that's what I do for a living. It's awesome because as we're recording this podcast, I am still employed at the hospital. I'm like, I'm our two weeks notice, so, but I, I'm not claiming that anymore. That, mm-hmm. that is officially a part of the past. Yeah. So this is fresh right now and it's uh, it might not mean much to everyone listening, but we'll, uh, we'll rewind here in a, in a minute and get to get to why that, why that story is significant. And I think, uh, you know, today I just want to, your story is so, so powerful. I know you've, you've shared it with others, been other podcasts to be able to, to spread it. And I, I'm just so excited to be able to dive into it here. Let's, uh, you know, I don't want to rewind too far back, but maybe it would help to paint a picture of, uh, life back in, you know, back in your youth growing up, like, getting into sports and I know you suffered an, an injury. If you can kind of talk through, uh, through that process briefly of, of what led up to, you know, some of the things that we're going to get into. Sure. Growing up, I had a pretty privileged life. Even growing up, I was able to appreciate it for what it was, which is kind of crazy. A kid never really takes, really realizes what they have as they're going through it. But growing up, I grew up on a lake in Northwest New Jersey and parents were together. I was one of the few kids whose parents weren't divorced. And, you know, I took a little pride in that. Family was everything to me. Um, Sports was also very meaningful for me. It's where I found my identity. Um, I didn't grow up in a home where there was any sort of talk of God. There's no going to church. There was nothing of the sort. So 
my my foundation was in family. My foundation was in sports. My foundation was in things that could be all good one day and completely fall apart the next. And that's really what happened growing up. I wound up at the age of 16 um, being pretty decent at basketball. I transferred to St. Benedict's Prep from uh, Jefferson Township High School uh, up in that rural, rural area. And it was... Uh, you know, when I transferred there my junior year, life was good. I, I couldn't complain about anything. And within the, I guess it was just all within my junior year, I had a career ending basketball injury. My parents got divorced, which was completely out of the blue. And my little sweetie girlfriend that I had, like my first love, broke up with me because I was so down about the basketball injury and my parents getting divorced. So it was like, it, it sounds kind of like juvenile now, but at the time when you're 16, when the three things that fulfill you and bring you any, any sort of satisfaction or joy all leave like boom, boom, boom. I'm just kind of, it, it will leave anybody it, unless they had a solid foundation in something else, something that's meaningful, something that's everlasting which would be Jesus Christ. And I absolutely didn't have it at the time. And to even tell you just how little I knew about Christianity or religion, period. I used to watch Jeopardy with my father. And I, as I grew older, my father's a genius. So he's getting almost all of them right. And as I got older, I would pride myself in getting a couple more answers like year by year. And whenever the category was the Bible, I would, like I remember as a little kid, I would kind of be like that, like 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 that. Oh my gosh! Like or I, I'm not going to get anything. The only thing I actually knew out of the Bible growing up, even into my teens, and really even into my adulthood life, was that Moses was in the Bible because my father every Easter would watch the Ten Commandments on TV. And I just saw on the screen, they call that guy Moses. I think this is from the Bible. So that guy must be in the Bible. I didn't even actually know that Jesus was in the Bible at that point. That's how little I knew. Now, I grew up on a lake, but I didn't grow up under a rock. You know, <laughs> I just wasn't around it at all. And now you're now you're a spiritual advisor. So that's how uh, that's how things change, man. And uh, so so you get this you get this injury. You got girlfriend breaks up with you, your parents get divorced, a bunch of, uh, you know, devastating things for, for any kid. I know you say it sounds juvenile, but those are three pretty significant things. Yeah. What, uh, what did you turn to? I know you said you didn't have the, the salvation at that point. Like what, what did life look like after, after those things happened? And was this, was this immediately, did you, you know, did you go looking for other things or was this a gradual build over time? Well, what I turned to was something that was actually placed in my lap and that was, painkillers. After I injured my back at the age of 16, it was actually the, the last practice before our first game of the season. So it's like, here we are. I'm at St. Benedict's prep. And like I said, I found my identity in being a basketball player. So, you know, everybody back home, they knew me as a basketball player. And really, as much as I love basketball, I think I love the attention I got from basketball even more because that's that was my identity. That, that's who I am. I love people who and I and talk about me for, for that. So after I had that surgery, doctors gave me a prescription of painkillers and me, well, I injured my back that 
that last practice before the first game of the season, had a minor procedure just, I think it was only a couple weeks later. It was something that was supposed to get me back on the court pretty soon, salvage my junior year. And they gave me a prescription of painkillers. And I didn't know what it was. I had never taken a drug in my life. I had stayed away from it. You know, the high school I had gone to, um, it was known as heroin high. Like drugs were in the school and I stayed away from all of them. I didn't drink, I didn't do drugs. So doctor gives me this pill and I think it's just gonna, all right, this is somehow gonna magically heal my back. It's gonna help fix my back. And all I know is I took that first one, swallowed it, and 20 minutes later, I'm feeling this high that I've never felt before. And I'm like, I like it. I don't care so much that I'm missing basketball right now. I don't care so much that my parents are, are splitting up. I don't care so much that my girlfriend just dumped me. This feels pretty good. So wound up, all right, if I'm feeling low, which was often because those voids that were left in my heart from those three things happened to me. I, I didn't know what else to do to fill those voids. Uh, did I get depressed and feel suicidal? Yeah, I did. Like, and uh, when we look at teenagers that go through all the crap that so many kids and some, so many of our youth in this world go through, it's like, yeah, there's a lot on your shoulders. A lot of you grow up in jacked up homes. A lot of you aren't taught the truth of the Bible. You're not taught the truth of your creator. You're not taught the truth of a relationship and an intimacy with the God of all creation. So they get caught up in different things. And that, that's what I did. All I knew was this makes me feel good right now. It makes me not care about my problems. I'm, I'm going to take it more and more and more. And that's what I did over the course of what wound up being the next 14 years of my life. Mm. Yeah. And, and when did that, uh, when did that hit its, hit its peak? Like, was that the, was that the worst of it? Or, or what would you say, you know, when, uh, like, was there a moment of, of, of rock bottom, if you will, or of, of, a you know, a real low point that, uh, you know, that, that, uh, happened either over time or, or in, in an instant that, that you kind of experienced that realized your, your need for that, that you had this problem? Yeah, probably the, the, the worst mental state I was in was in 2005. So now I'm six years out of high school. I went to a couple different colleges. I even went to um, one where I talked to the coaches and I was like, listen, I played at St. Benedict's Prep and this is a D1 school, Florida Atlantic University. I, I injured my back. By then I had two back surgeries in the books already. And, you know, Full disclosure, I was an addict already. I didn't even realize I could label myself as an addict, but I was doing those drugs, those painkillers every day because especially back then, once you have a back injury, you're going to get your hands on whatever you want. And even by then, just a couple years into my addiction, I was going to different doctors, just kind of showing them the scars that I had and they would give me whatever I wanted. And still, so... I would just kind of, I didn't call myself an addict at the time because I would tell myself, oh, I have a bad back. I need these things. I'm in pain. I don't know exactly how much pain I was ever in for those 14 years of addiction because I, I took so many painkillers. Um, 
But so my father, when I say I was a hospital maintenance guy after I left Florida Atlantic University and I did spend a year trying to work out with the team and they took me on road trips. I had no official role with the team, um, but it was like, all right, get your back healed up. You'll walk on and maybe earn a scholarship. But I was already my back was never good enough and I was already an addict. So when I dropped out from there, my father got me a job as a maintenance guy at a hospital. And I was like, all right, this will be temporary till I get myself together. Well, as you heard in the intro, that getting myself together um, took quite a long time. I've been there 19 years. I, I got myself together halfway through. And really, I didn't get myself together at all. It's, it wasn't by works. It was by faith that I got myself together. Uh, but in, in 2005, I'll never forget this. I was now, by 2005, I was three surgeries deep. And the third one was a pretty, pretty decent sized surgery where, you know, they cut me open, like a pretty big incision in my back. And, um, you know, they did what they had to do to remove all the, the fragments of this that were now like all over the place, which if I had never had the first back surgery, I would have been a lot better off. But you, uh, you know that, Dr. Dave. <laughs> yeah. Preaching yeah. the choir. Right. Um, but after that third one, they had said, you know, we took out your entire L5 disc. Eventually, your vertebrae is going to start to kind of collapse. You're going to need to get your spine fused. But that will be later on in life. So in 2005, I'm already getting my hands on whatever pills I want. Well, I'm just deep in my addiction. And I'm talking like Percocets, Oxycontin, Vicodin. I'm taking Valium, Xanax. I'm taking sleeping pills to fall asleep at night. Uh, like, why would I even need sleeping pills? I, I'm taking all those downers, but I was taking whatever I could get my hands on. And in 2005, I remember seeking out a doctor at the hospital that I worked at to ask him if I could get the surgery done where he fuses my spine together. And he said, well, set an appointment in my office. So I went to see him and he describes what's really a gruesome surgery where he cuts me open, like cuts my belly open. And then he says, yeah, we'll have a vascular surgeon, you know, pull out like your guts essentially get them out of the way. So, so I could get to your spine. We'll get a cadaver bone. We'll fuse it together. And in two years, you should start feeling better. And I was so deep and sick of my addiction. I said, sign me up. When can we get this scheduled? And looking back on it now, it's like, oh my gosh, like, why would I put myself through that? It's because the, the hooks, the bondage of addiction just had me so tight. So that was, that was a terrible time, but my aha moment came once my wife, who wasn't my wife at the time, when she came into my life, um, she was the only one who was really in my life at the time because I alienated everybody else in my addiction over the years. And yeah, I was able to maintain this job at the hospital. I, I worked a lot of off shifts. Uh, I just basically had to show up and I was, I would literally be snorting Oxycontin as like my relief would come at 11 PM or 7 AM if I worked a overnight shift and, you know, everybody, 
kind of knew I had a problem and I had a couple guys there that were trying to help me as best as they could. But I, I could say, you know, they like me enough to not turn me in, but I, I don't know. I, I don't want to give anybody a bad rap because there's some people who really try to be by my side, but none of them had the Lord at the time. So um, it's one thing to try to help somebody by helping them get sober. It's another thing by helping them to salvation. And then mm-hmm. when they become a new creation, they could break that sobriety or or, or be sober as quick as that. Mm-hmm. Um, reel me in if I'm going going too far out or a little long winded with these answers. No, it's, it's good. Yeah. And, and I want to get to when Lucy came in, in in a few minutes here, but, uh, the, so you mentioned relationships coming around. It didn't sound like you had much of much of any relationships, even when, when you were going to school though, did you going into college, did you actually want to get back into basketball? Like, cause you were pretty addicted to painkillers at that point. Was it, was it actually a dream to get back and play or were you kind of just going through the motions is that something you've you reflected on is that something that you really wanted to do or maybe you felt like you had to do or or talk me through that a little bit it was just something that I thought would make me happy again you know that was a big void that was in my heart and I knew I was filling that void with the pills it was just making me feel good so hey if I could play basketball again I, I would maybe get high off of that attention and I thought it would be a cinch to like if other things started picking up in life, like if I played the mega millions and hit it, I would have thought at the time, shoot, I don't need these drugs anymore. I'm rich now. I could, you know, I could find happiness in other ways. So yeah, basketball, it it was never, it was never like that. It was just, yeah, this might just fulfill a void in my heart. And I didn't realize it until Lucy came into my life that we all have a giant void in our heart. It wasn't necessarily the void of not being able to play basketball or the void of my parents splitting up or the void of losing my first love, the way she broke up with me. It, yeah, she broke my heart, this girl. Hey, I'm not I'm not even gonna mention her name on this podcast, but I should. <laughs> but um the reality of it is, and you and I, you know, we we talk about stuff like this in the past. The reality is, is every single person has a God-shaped void in their heart that only God could could fill, only God. So, yeah, I tried to fill the voids with drugs. I tried to fill it with women, sleeping with women. Like, that wasn't even, like, like my thing. I wasn't, it was just, oh, I know it'll feel good in the moment, and I'll get that instant gratification, but then I would just be left lower and lower and lower but it's only god that could fill that god-sized void and fill like god fills your heart when he comes into our hearts he fills it so much that any other void that that you had in life any other hurt any other pain god will fill that void with his love and it could happen in a moment the moment you receive christ it could happen when He's in your heart and you walk out that salvation, you know, I, I, and I don't, I'm not trying to sit up here and say, Hey, surrender to Christ and everything is going to get better. I'm not saying that at all, even though for me, it surely, it surely did because uh, a bad day with the Lord is still better than the best day I ever had without him. Mm-hmm. 
That's so good. I love that you mentioned that too, because you know, I never know. So, someone listening might be going through some some addiction, might be struggling with pills, or it could be alcohol, or it could be some of the other hurts you mentioned too. It could be, you know, getting looked over for for a job. It could be a sports thing. It could be, uh, you know, relationship issues. There's so many so many holes that uh, you know rejections that we can face in life, and we will face. It could be a business that didn't didn't succeed or didn't, you know promise the way that uh, a, a business partner that left, like there's, there's so many things that could create that, that feeling of that hole, but that's not, and, and what you're saying, and if you can expand on this, you're saying that's just a, uh, maybe a, a symptom of it. Like that's not the true hole that needs to get filled. That's just what, uh, what people think is, is the, the void that's there. Correct. Yeah. Um, Cause if, if you look around, whether you're rich or poor, black or white, all of us, we have issues. And obviously, I mean, those are just basic general generalizations. There's a lot more things we could put into that. Um, but there's people who are billionaires or clinically depressed, you know, or, you know, they're told they're, they're depressed by a doctor. And, but I believe God can, and I'm not downplaying mental illness, but I've, I've seen, not just for myself, but for many others, God come in and all of a sudden the depression is lifted uh, with addiction. I, I, I've seen people who are down and out on the streets receive the Lord. And now all of a sudden they are, they still have nothing. But now they have a smile on, on their face and they have a joy and they have a peace and they have a, a purpose for life now. So I, I believe, yeah, those things are the symptoms. And perhaps that's even what the enemy tries to trick us into thinking is the problem. So, uh, man, I'm lonely. Uh, let me call this girl up and then have sex with her. Well, OK, that's not that's not good. That's not solving any problems. That's not making you fulfilled by any stretch of the imagination longer than the, the amount of time you're in the act. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so true. So good. And I want to, I want to get to, so, so Lucy came into your life through, through work, it sounds like, and how did that, you know, how did, how was she able to break through the addictions? How was she able to break through, you know, some of those things that other people maybe tried to support you on, but, uh, you know, didn't, didn't truly get, get through to you on. Well, when I first met her, she there was just something different about her. There was something that I honestly, she was the only attractive woman in the hospital that I did not try to sleep with. And that, that's just being real with you. There was something about her. And when I say this to you, I'm not trying to earn brownie points with my wife. She is by far the most beautiful woman I've ever laid eyes on. So I saw her and there was just something different about her that she had uh, a confidence within herself but not in a boastful way she um she was a strong strong woman like you could just feel it you could sense it and little did i know upon first looking at her is everything that i felt from her was the holy spirit a hundred percent and i didn't really know and appreciate that until I got saved and filled with the Holy Spirit myself because I didn't get that. Like I said before, I didn't know the Bible. I didn't go to church. So I didn't know what all that stuff was about. But 
I found out quickly she was a Christian. She was a single mom, but she was a Christian. And as she and I got closer, I would hear her stories and I, it just blew me away more and more. And I just became more in awe with who she was because it's like, why, why haven't you lost your mind? Why, like, how can you compose yourself and conduct yourself in such a manner that everybody else will look at and say, oh, I want to be like Lucy. How is that possible? Well, the, the, that little compartment that I thought she had, which was Christianity and her time with the Lord and, you know, praying with her kids. Well, it turns out it wasn't a compartment. It was her entire life. And then every other compartment of life filled within that giant box of her, her relationship with Christ. How long did, uh, you know, how long did uh, she have to, you know, be patient with you? And, and, and was that a, was that a relatively quick thing from, so talk me through when, when you finally dished the drugs and, and gave your life to Christ? Yeah. The end of, it was about 2010 that she and I got pretty close. Um, I confided in her. There was something about her that just made me feel comfortable to let her know. Cause is as much as I was like a, a deadbeat junkie, essentially, with the amount of drugs I was taking, I was still functioning enough to show up to work. And I, by this time, I was working a couple of shifts here and there during the day. And I met her. We, um, there, there was something there. I, I mean, it's 100% obvious now that God placed her in my life. And she knew it then at the time herself though, actually, um, because she told me that from the moment she met me, God was telling her regarding me through loving kindness, will I draw thee? And she knew that God was using her as a vessel to get to my heart. And she was 100% obedient to that when she had every right to be like, I'm done with this dude he's he's stubborn he's angry all the time he hates himself he hates other people why why am i doing this and even if she knows it's from the lord it's like i put her through some stuff because we like i said we um we gelled pretty quickly and we had nothing in common i mean i'm this six foot four white dude she's this five foot nothing black girl you know i was born and raised in new jersey she was born and raised in little Haiti, Miami. Like we came from two different worlds. She had her first baby at 15. Like she wanted her mm -hmm. testimonies crazy. And that's how she surrendered to the Lord when she was actually a teenage runaway at 14 when she got pregnant, wound up finding some cousins in North New Jersey, stayed with them, had, had her baby boy, Isaiah, who's now my oldest son. And when the doctor was handing her the baby, that's when she surrendered her life to Christ because it was, she felt like she had no options. Like who else could I turn to? I got to turn to somebody. Let me turn to God. Um, so David, you might have to reel me in. When I start talking about Lucy, man, I go. <laughs> it's all good, man. I, I, I love the, uh, 
I mean, I just love how real the, the story is. And, and like I said, whether people are dealing with actual, you know, physical addictions to substances or, you know, whatever that might be for, for a lot of people listening, a lot of business owners, it's pour themselves into work and they get, uh, they get recognition from their achievements the same way you did with, with sports, or maybe it's from their marriage. Maybe it's from, you know, it could be from, from anything of where they, where they seek that, uh, where they seek that fulfillment from. But I think a good, uh, you know, a good point I want to touch on here. And I want to have you explain is for a lot of people listening, you know, I, I know we have some people listening that are Christian, some people, uh, many, many that aren't uh, a lot of people hear these, these terms though, and these things of, you know, salvation and, and God and all this, these talks of those things. And it's, it can be a turnoff for a lot of people from, from bad experiences. Uh, and I think a lot of it is, you know, maybe due to what people see as, as religion, but what would you say, you know, to someone listening like that, what's, what's the biggest difference between religion as a lot of people picture it, maybe the, you know, those, those bad experiences of religion. And I grew up Catholic and I had zero relationship with God, what, what would you say to, you know, someone like that who hears these things and it's, it's just a, a turnoff or it, it isn't something that, uh, they maybe have a good, uh, you know, a good feeling on when they hear those things. Right. When Lucy started slowly introducing me to Christianity, um, uh, it didn't feel like religion at all. I saw that she had a personal relationship with the Lord and I, she would allow me to come to her apartment and meet her kids. Like her kids thought I was this like cool white dude that's friends with mommy. And um, I saw anything, like I didn't have a big um, opinion of religion myself because I really didn't even know religion, you know, whatever flaws or stigmas were there. I didn't even really know them at that time. So I was able to just kind of see her relationship with God. And I was like, okay, so this is what it's like. Like, this is what religion is like. And she wound up slowly leading me to the Lord. And when I say that was, if she had like given me scriptures or beaten the Bible upside of my head, I would have fled for the hills. Um, but she just showed me what it was like to pray to God, just talk to him. That, that's what praying is, just communicating with God. And she had me do that every day um, leading up to um, going to rehab. She had taken me to a Christian counselor that set me up with a rehab in Florida and me, typical addict mentality. I was like, no, I can't go today. I can't go next week. I, I got too much going on. It was like I was dying of my addiction and I put it off for three weeks. And she had me pray every day and just thank God for waking me up that morning. And I didn't even like really care to wake up most mornings. I was still, I mean, when I was feel having suicidal thoughts when I was a teenage teenager, best believe I felt them all in my twenties when my addiction was just getting out of control. So she had me do that for a couple of weeks. And I remember the day where I said it and actually felt something. I felt like somebody was on the other end hearing it. And I was like, okay, this is interesting. So I would just kind of find myself just talking to God at random times. And I, I felt him listening. And then I felt him kind of like pouring into me, kind of like speaking to me. And I can't even tell you like explicitly what he was saying, but I was just kind of feeling his love. I was just kind of feeling, feeling something different now. And that led to um, 
really the day that I got saved, the day before I went to rehab. And um, um, this is the the long answer to this question because um, I could get in depth about that day that I surrendered to Christ. And when I say that, like you said, there's probably somebody hearing this and the minute they hear Christ, they're like, oh, you know, uh, and I would have been the same way. Trust me. Same. So I met Lucy because if you had told me, um, like, God bless you up until the day I got saved, I had it. I was hoping somebody t- told me, God bless you, because I had a whole rant prepare, prepare for them as to why God's not real. And if he is, he's he's the one who who injured my back. He's the one who made me an addict. He was the one I blamed for everything. So I would literally, my relationship with God before that day, I fully surrendered to, to Jesus Christ was I would go into these fits of rage and I'd be putting like, put my fists through the walls in my apartment. And I would literally have my middle fingers in the air saying, F you God, I hate you. If you're real, you did this to me. It was like I, I hated him, but didn't even know if he was real or not. So when I got saved, um, and that day, uh, I mean, this isn't a two-hour podcast, so I'm not going to go in depth about that day I got saved. But it was a radical transformation. All I knew at that point was I was absolutely desperate. And at this point, it wasn't just to get sober. It was to just live. I just want to live. I want to be free. And Lucy taught me the gospel. She taught me enough about her relationship with the Lord where I knew I just had to let every wall down. I had to believe with everything that I had that Jesus is my Lord and Savior. Just put all of my faith in him. And when I did that on that day, and it was a powerful moment, um, Lucy and the kids and myself, we gathered in a circle, and the Holy Spirit entered me in that moment. And I didn't know, as Lucy was leading me to the Lord, I didn't know what it meant to be saved, really. Like, I didn't know all these Christian words that I'm using probably now without even realizing I'm using them so much. I didn't know what it meant. And if you had told me you're filled with the Holy Spirit before that moment, I would have said you need to be locked up in a mental institution because that's just weird, right? And then, of course, like the people, the couple Christians I ever met in my life that were like talking about Holy Spirit or something, they were just like, at least in my mind, just so far out there. Maybe they weren't, but in my mind, my judgmental mind, like they were like way out there. So got filled with the Holy Spirit. I got saved, born again, which, you know, it's funny. Like people talk about born again Christians, like it's its own denomination. No. Well, if you read the Bible, John chapter three, you know, if, if anybody calls themselves a Christian, they need to be born again. Right. So born again, Christianity isn't its own denomination. That's what Christianity is. It's the God who created us actually coming into our bodies and making our our vessels his dwelling place. The Holy Spirit lives inside of us. God lives inside of us when we're saved. And from that moment, I knew I knew I was a new person. I knew, like, I didn't know at that moment I was delivered from drugs, but I didn't take a drug after that. I didn't know that it was that powerful. 
because I would I even went down to rehab. They wanted to put me on some boxing and and all that stuff. I was like, no. I, I was like, let me tell you about what just happened yesterday. Like mm-hmm. I had this moment with God. And like I said, like, I didn't know all the Christianese terms that I'm using right now. Um, but I was able to spend 30 days at a rehab, spend time with the Lord, just sit with them every night, sit with them every morning. And Lucy didn't even send me down with a Bible because she didn't want to overwhelm me. She just wrote down a handful of scriptures for me to just meditate on. And God would speak to me through these verses. And I spent 30 days getting to know God. So when I came home, I dug into the Bible because I was like, all right, I'm hungry. Let let me do this. And I came to find like, oh, shoot. Like if there's anybody who ever walked this planet who was against religion, it was Jesus Christ himself. You know, like if we actually read the Bible, it's clear that Christianity, this faith, it's about a relationship with Mm -hmm. our creator, period. It's about Jesus Christ coming to this earth so that man could be reconciled to the father, right? Like Jesus Christ endured what he endured on the cross. And even before, like, like being mocked, spit on his beard, being plucked out, he endured it all for us. So we could have that relationship with the father, like, Mm -hmm. come on. And so I, if anybody it still made it this this long on the podcast, like they may have checked out as soon as I said like spiritual advice. <laughs> but if they're still here, um, man, uh, I hit up Dave. Hit, hit me up if mm-hmm. you want to know more about just simply having a relationship with the Lord, and that's what it's about. There's a lot of great churches that just believe the Bible, teach the Bible, and they teach about having that relationship with Jesus. And then you have a lot that don't. And it is like this just organized religion where people think it's about works. Well, yeah, our religion, we don't get saved by our works. We get saved by grace through faith. That's how Mm -hmm. we get saved. So, and it's, it's so, it's so applicable for, you know, a lot of people, said there is a stigma around church. And, and I, I know that cause I, I grew up despising church because of it being so, so work-based and you had to show up this and wear this and say this, this many times. And it's like, that's, that's not at all what it, what it's about either. And, you know, the, you know, God speaks to people in different ways. And through mine was in a, in a gym with a couple guys who were the first quote, normal, you know, Christian people that I, that I had met because, you know, you have the the stigma of what you see maybe in the church, which, you know, it, it isn't, I, I don't by any means say the church is all bad. Like I, I think that's a necessary part of it, but the, the bad connotations people have around it are usually around that. But when you say, when you say something like when you let your walls down and do those things, why is it so hard for people to like, to, to really release on that, to really let those, let those barriers down, those walls down, let their guard down. Because everybody understands to some degree that your heart needs to be protected. Nobody wants to get hurt. So it's natural for us to just put walls up around our heart to, to protect ourselves from being hurt. When we surrender, especially as men, like you and I, we're, we're men. Like, it's not manly to just completely be vulnerable. 
to completely be transparent, to to not hide any secrets, you know, like, and and maybe that's not a manly thing, but people people don't want to let it all go. You know, there's a lot of guilt. There's a lot of shame that people have from things that they've done. So to actually just let it all go, say, listen, I'm, I'm sorry that I've done all this. I, and that's why a lot of people, they don't surrender and they don't get that relationship with the Lord. They're not, they don't even seek that relationship until they're at the end of the rope. Because when you're at the end of end of your rope, like me, I knew I was going to die of my addiction. I realize now it was God telling me I was going to die of my addiction. At the time, I would have chalked it up to a gut feeling, but I just knew I was going to die of my addiction. So I'm at the end of my rope and it almost makes it easier because I'm desperate. Like I tried everything else and I like, as much as I was suicidal at times, it was like, I don't want to die. You know, like the, like this is what it's about. You you're, you're born into this earth. You have no choice or say over that. And then it sucks. And then you die. And like, that's it. Like, come on. So to, to let your walls down, it's, it's hard. And that's why it's easier sometimes for somebody who's down and out that person who is on the streets with no money, because when you have a, a nice home food on the table, Maybe you, you find a comfort in that. You feel like, oh, I don't need to just let everything go. I don't need to be vulnerable. I don't need to let my guard down. But that's the only way. Listen, when I surrendered to Christ, it, I remember this so vividly. I had this realization that Jesus was standing right in front of me and, and not like physical Jesus, but he was there in front of me the entire time I was cursing him out. He was there the entire time with outstretched arms, just waiting for me to jump into him. And when I did, when I said yes, I felt a warm embrace. I felt a love. I felt that peace. I felt the joy of fulfillment that I had never felt in my life. I felt a high. Listen, I did a lot of drugs. There was time, I mean, the back end of my my addiction, I didn't get very high. It was just like trying to get through the day. But I had a lot of highs. Not one of them ever made me feel so good that I cried. I've been crying for the last nine years, man, just on this high of Jesus Christ and having this relationship. And, you know, to say today, I'm a spiritual advisor for King's Council, for God to uh, place this group in my life and that financially I can serve serve God and serve others. You know, we were talking before, we just came back from an event in Tampa where eight people got saved and to just be there. And, you know, I was there, part of the group. It was a two-day seminar that we did. And, but eight people got saved, two people got baptized. So for me to say, this is who I am, this is what I do, that I could pay the bills by doing this. And now 24 hours of my day, I'm available where I don't have to be punching a time card at a job that I really don't like. I appreciated it, but I really didn't like being there because I knew God had something different for me, something greater than that. Um, I'm just yeah. blessed. Yeah. That's, that's amazing, man. And I, I want to circle back on that too, because I know you mentioned earlier of 
it's not that that happens and then all is good after because there was still how many years between where you were still at this job where you were still, you know, can you, I know we don't have a ton of time, but can you kind of go into that a little bit too of, of how you had to be patient through that, even though, you know, your, your life had radically transformed, but you still found yourself in the same job, doing the same type of work on the, on the outside, maybe life didn't look as, as different, maybe as it, as it felt inside. Could you speak on that for, for a little bit? Yeah, definitely. So that was 2011 that I got saved eight months later, it was October. So eight months later in 2012, Lucy and I got married and I became the father to her four kids now. And, but I was still a hospital maintenance guy. I never liked the job to begin with, but now it's like, all right, it's a job where, what am I going to do? Quit, try something new. I was familiar with it. And now I had a wife and four kids I had to provide for. Um, so I don't even want to say that just having that job was a struggle. It wasn't the desire of my heart, but it was a time of maturation, a time of building endurance, a time of, of probably what it was, was testing of God to see if I would be obedient in what he was calling me to be and obedient in what he was calling me to do. Because I served in ministry right after I got saved, I started going to Lucy's church. And well, after I came home from rehab, started going to her church, I jumped into serving and I've, I've served in ministry in different capacities over these nine years, but I never got paid a dime from it. Even when I was asked to speak places, share my testimony, and I was kind of expecting like a, a little love offering, nothing. So it never changed who I was though. Um, when I first met you, you know, I wasn't the spiritual advisor to King's Council. I was just a dude who loved the Lord. I was all in with him. I loved others. And I think you noticed that about me, you know? Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> um, so the the endurance and the, the trials that we go through, we have to just remember that um, God's watching us at all times. And we have to be diligent in everything that we do. We have to operate in excellence in all that we do, because in everything that we do, in everything that I do, I'm glorifying God in everything. So if he puts something on my plate, even if I don't like it at the time, I know something's better. I have to be all in with that because I just want to be obedient to God. And God is faithful to bless. He's faithful to open up more doors for those who are obedient. Yeah, that's a... Uh... And incredible to see how that, you know, comes full circle. Cause I think a lot of people, you know, they, there's this expectation of like, okay, well, why isn't I, I did this and why isn't, why isn't success happening sooner? Why isn't, you know, our, our, ver our version of success, but that can be, you know, and, and maybe, you know, what are your thoughts on what our version of success is and, and what God might have in store for us? Well, our version of success, I, one of the most, inspirational men to ever walk the planet was the apostle Paul. And he went through some hardships, you know, stoned, beaten, robbed as he was going on his missionary journeys, shipwrecked. Like the dude went through it all and he was eventually martyred. So success, I, I would say he was a success because he was obedient to the calling that was on his life. And as hard as it was, if you read Second Timothy, the last chapter, which is the, the, the last letter that he wrote in the, in the Bible, 
the joy that you feel just jumping off the pages as he knows, he said, hey, I've run, I've run a good race. I've kept the faith. And just you, you feel his joy. So would anybody want to go through what he went through? Absolutely not. But the best place to be, the safest place to be, the most peaceful place to be on earth is directly in God's will, wherever that may be. If God had called me to be a hospital maintenance guy until the day he called me home, then I would have been content in that job I, and I would have felt it. But I knew God was calling me for something else. That's why I wasn't content in it. I was obedient to it, but I, I wasn't content there and I never would have been. And if I hadn't prepared myself, if I had just said, oh, I know God's got a calling on my life to um, be of more impact in the kingdom and just kind of took it for granted and then spend the time in the word, didn't spend the time leading Bible studies, didn't spend the time leading my family, leading my wife, pouring into them first and foremost, then this door probably would have never opened because I wouldn't have been ready for the calling that was on my life. Yeah, I think obedience sums it up so well for for you and even our you know feels like feels like I've known you much longer and and I know the impact you've had uh, on my life and my uh, you know, my my spiritual journey and strengthening strengthening my faith and I know so many others fall in that that same category with with how people speak to you and they they see your heart and uh, man it's been it's been a pleasure having you on here and and sharing your story and and I want to take a you know a, a bold step in terms of some that makes me uncomfortable and and who knows how many listeners you always you might lose listeners from you know, putting out a message so strongly like this, where it's, it's not a, it's not a Christian podcast by, by any means, but, uh, man, if, if anyone's still listening, I, I would love to have you, you know, pray for anyone that, that might be find themselves in a situation like, like you did of, of maybe not as extreme, but you know, someone who doesn't, doesn't yet know God and wants to, wants to accept a, a relationship. And I think that'd be uh, you know, awesome to have you just, you know, speak to that. And, and we'd, uh, we'd both make ourselves available after as well. But uh, man, if you wouldn't mind, I'd, I'd love to have you take it away on that. Yeah, absolutely. Paul says in Corinthians, now is the, ex the acceptable time. Today is the day of salvation. And that was written 2000 years ago, but it applies every single day to anyone who hasn't received the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal savior. There's an urgency because God created, it's not in God's will that any man shall perish. But the fact of the matter is, is if we choose not to have a relationship with the Lord, our creator here on earth, then we're not going to have one for eternity. And that's, that's the difference between heaven and hell. So, God doesn't want anybody to go to hell, but he loves us so much that if that's what we choose, he will allow us to go there. Um, the Bible says that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and we believe in our hearts that God raised him from the, from the grave, that we will be saved. And the Bible also says in Revelation that Jesus stands and knocks at the door of every man's heart, every man's heart, every person that walked this earth, God knocks on our heart. So nobody could say that, you know, God wasn't seeking me out because in Luke, it says that God didn't just come to save the lost. He came to seek and save the lost. So he's searching for our hearts. He desires even more so like the, that day I was so desperate that I jumped into his arms. He's that desperate to have a relationship with each and every one of us. 
So with that said, I, I'd love to just pray for anybody listening listening to this right now. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for Dr. Dave. Thank you for this podcast. And God, if there's even one ear that's hearing this, we just ask right now in the name of Jesus that they may take that step, Lord, that they may believe, that they may let all the walls down in their heart. God, you are a God who never leaves us. You never forsake us. You tell us to be bold and courageous because you are real. You are with us. And God, we are not to fear. God, you are a faithful God. You are a God who loves us with that agape love. It's beyond our understanding. It's a love that's not based on our loveliness, but based on who you are as the creator of love, of the one who is love. So God, I pray that there are souls that enter your kingdom upon hearing this. I pray that there are seeds that are being planted that maybe one day will lead to salvation. We thank you for this time. We thank you for this experience. And Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you so much, Lord. We love you and honor you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Appreciate that, brother. Uh, where can, uh, if someone is, is curious about chatting more and, and said, who knows how many, uh, how many make it to the, make it to the end of each show, but, uh, man, I would love to, is there a place people can reach out to you if they, uh, like email or a place they can contact you if they want to just chat more or they connect with your story and, and want to connect with you? Yeah. You could hit me up on Instagram, DM me, um, Christian Edwards, two, four, nine. Um, You'll be able to contact me through our King's Council Coaching website, which is kingscouncilcoaching.com. It's our faith-based coaching program where um, it's so much more than just uh, Jesus talk. But at the same time, we know what's most important. So uh, it's a lot of Jesus talk. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And even through you, man, if anybody contacts Dr. Dave asking Um, If they could get in touch with me, I know he'll send you my way. And this is real. You know, this is real stuff. So if if you're interested, if you have questions, I had so many questions and Lucy was the one that was able to answer them for me. So maybe you don't have anybody who's in your life that can answer those questions. Maybe you didn't know the gospel. Maybe you're in your 20s, 30s, 40s, and have never actually heard the gospel before, you don't know why you need a savior, contact us. We'll help you. We'll walk you through that. And mm-hmm. the no judgment zone here. Um, yep. We're just spreading love. Yeah. And you guys know where to find me, but yeah, I found myself in a similar situation too of no one to really bounce questions around with. I I didn't really know what, uh, I didn't know what a lot of things meant in, in this, you know, this podcast and I'll, in all transparency, if I had listened to this, say 10 years ago, would have probably made me uncomfortable in some ways. And who knows if I would have made it to the, uh, to the end of it. So, uh, you know, props to whoever's listening and, and just leaning into it and, and curious, like you don't have to have all the answers It it took, uh, it took me a long time to really, really figure out what, what any of this meant or why it was important and to move my mind from like religion and, and what that meant to having an actual uh, relationship with God. So we would, uh, you know, we would, we would love to, to, uh, hear from anyone and, and be happy to just chat more about it. Any last, uh, parting words, Christian, before we, uh, wrap this thing up. That's it, man. And we don't have all the answers, you know, we we're not perfect. I'm not perfect, but we, we have the, the means for you to receive 
eternal salvation, and that's Jesus Christ. So, man, make the jump. We talk so much about making that jump, like be bold with it. Make that jump into the arms of Jesus like I did, and it'll mm-hmm. be the best decision you ever made. And you mentioned urgency. That was my word of uh, 2021. So it's uh, it's going to keep popping up. Man, so good. Appreciate you coming on, Christian. I, I had a blast with this. Your story is so powerful, and I'm uh, I'm so excited for for people to hear it. So thanks for coming on today, my man. Thanks for having me, man. Love you, brother. Thanks for listening today, guys. I'm believing that even if you apply one thing from today's show, you're taking one step closer to living as the man you were made to be. Meaningful change doesn't happen overnight. So keep showing up and keep consistent every single day until good things start to happen. If you haven't already, taking 60 seconds to write a review on whatever platform you're listening on goes a long way in growing this podcast and reaching other men just like you that are hungry for more in their life. If you have any questions on today's show, feedback, or content you want to see more of, shoot me a text. Yep, text me. 760-477-4361. That's 760-477-4361. Let me know that you're listening in so I can personally thank you for your support of myself and the show. That's it for today, guys. It's time to raise your standard for yourself. Stop settling for just getting by. Go all in on your passions and the life you were made for. I love you guys and talk to you soon.